Father, that's our prayer again. Lord, we owe you our lives. That following you costs us something because it costs you everything. And Lord, there's sometimes we go through life so flippantly we think it's about us. Lord, help us to see the reality and the truths of your word this morning that you've made known to us through the person of Jesus. So Father, would you speak to us through your word this morning and just allow us to get a glimpse of how full and how deep and how wide your love is for us. Father, speak through me. Lord, use me however you wish this morning. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to be in the Gospel of John, chapter 17, 15, and 13. Uh, so we're going to be hopping around just a little bit. So I just want to give you a little heads up in that. Uh, to start out, I want you to continue to pray for Pastor Ryan. Uh, I got a text from him this morning. He said, all is well, and um, he is in India getting ready this week for a long week of, of, of training national pastors and of uh, preaching at church planting conferences. And, and I want you to think about it for a second. Really what that looks like is in a place where, where the name of Jesus and where the gospel is illegal to be preached, these things are going on. And if you remember what Ryan said last week, there's about 85,000 church plants or expressions of the church that have, that have sprung up since 1993. So God is doing an amazing work, an amazing movement in India where, where persecution is, is huge. I think sometimes we take that for granted here. Like we have the freedoms to speak freely about Jesus and, and throughout our week that we're we not even compelled to, to, to speak his name or to share his truth or his love with other people. But be in prayer for him this week. Um, while he is in India, and that he makes it back to us safely. <clears throat> a little bit of context for today's sermon. We've been in the Pathway series for, I would say, eight or nine weeks now. The first three weeks were kind of like an intro to the whole thing, kind of laying the foundation that we are all on this journey of life, that we are all on a pathway, and that the goal is that we would be disciples of Jesus in the everyday stuff of life. Ryan, uh, three weeks prior to last week, laid out the gospel foundation. And what that looks like is for us to kill sin and live righteously, we must abide in Jesus. John chapter 15 talks about that. What Ryan said a few weeks back is that when we all abide, we all win. Last week, he laid out the, the first week of community. Um, this, this next two, three weeks are about this idea of community. And out in the lobby there, in the, in the hallway there, you'll see that we've got some signs out there that nothing builds disciples like community. So he, he went from Acts chapter 2, 40 through, 42 through 47, kind of laying the, the foundation for the, the original church, the, the ancient church, the expression that they had of fellowship and breaking of bread and prayer and, and going to the temple and meeting one another's needs and sacrificing their time for each other and living life together and what it looked like for them to live as family. Today we're going to continue that thought and talk a little bit about family, that we are in a family. 
who is deeply loved by God. So I'm going to ask for a little bit of audience participation here. Um, you can participate if you want. It's always that awkward moment when the speaker says something and you're like, I don't know if I really want to do that. Um, so I'm going to ask you to uh, participate with me if you wish. Uh, you don't have to do everything that I tell you to do. So if you've got your pointy finger, I want you to reach up to the heavens and say, God designed community. Very good. A lot of people participated. I kind of gave you an out there, but I'm glad everyone participated. So now what I want you to do is awkwardly point to a neighbor and look at them in the eyes and say, you were designed for community. You were designed for community. All right, now I want you to look at another neighbor around you and point to them and say, you were designed for community. Okay, it's, it's those awkward moments where you're remembering back to when you were a child and your mom or your dad said, don't point. It's not good to point. I tell my daughters that all the time. Don't point. And the reality of when we're pointing at people, there's like this, this symbolic nature of that. When we're pointing, you've probably heard this, there's actually three fingers pointing back at yourself. We say you were designed for community but we recognize that three fingers pointing back at ourselves that a lot of times we are the issue or we are the problem with community. I want us to recognize that this morning before we get into the text that although we were designed for community and although God did design us for community and we all were designed for community, the problem with community is us. There's a lot of times that we don't feel deeply loved. And there's a lot of times that we get our feelings hurt and we just, we just don't know how to live in community. So this morning, we're gonna get into a few texts this morning. Like I said, John chapter 17, John chapter 15, and John chapter 13. And it's important that we understand these, these three different chapters, probably three or four chapters together as, as one big talk from Jesus to the disciples before he went to the cross. It's kind of his, his farewell speech to them. So this morning, if you have a Bible, um, if you would take it out, if you don't, there's one in the seat back in front of you. If you have a phone app, if you can see it on the screens, uh, I would also like to invite you to stand as we read God's word together. So if you would, at this time, stand. We're gonna read John 17, the end of verse 22 and into verse 23. It says this. It says Jesus is praying for his disciples. He says, I pray that they may be one, that you may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me. Would you flip over to John chapter 15 really quick or look up on the screens. We're gonna be reading in verse 12 through 17. Jesus says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. The servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask in my father's name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, that you, that you will love one another. 
Now, if you flip back to John chapter 13, we'll read verse 34 and 35 together. Well, we don't have to read it together. I'll read it for you. It says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. You may be seated. Father, if we, if we just let the words of the, the, those passages and the truths of your love for us compel us to live differently today, God, we would understand, we would catch a glimpse of what community is. Father, I pray that those words, your words, would speak truth to our heart this morning. Lord, allow us to, to apply those truths to, to the parts that we are unbelieving about you. And, I'll, and allow us to live different because of that. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there's so many things to unpack from these texts and due to the amount of time, I wanted to read all of those to kind of give us some context of Jesus' words for us in regards to this, this commandment, this new commandment to love one another. Now, in our culture, we use the word love pretty loosely. Now, if you're a lot like me, so do we. I love ice cream. I, I love deer hunting. I love my Cleveland Indians. I would have loved if they would have made it to the World Series. Um, I love my wife. Now, you choose which order you think I love all of those things in and the magnitude of, of what my love is for each one of those. But our love needs to be more than words. And any of you in this room who are married, you know that. Saying I love you does not suffice. There needs to be action. So this morning, I wanna draw us to three different things that we see from John chapter 13, 34, and 35. Number one is a call to action. We are called to love one another. 1 John 3, 16 and 17 says, Children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. There is a byproduct of our love that requires action. We cannot just say we love people and our lives not reflect that truth. As we sang in the song earlier, our love needs to be both deep and wide. And we're gonna look at that here in a moment. But I, if you're a lot like me, you would probably say this, that love is, is pretty hard. People are hard to love. And I think that's true of all of us. It's not that we don't recognize the needs around us or we don't see opportunities to love, but the problem is that we are obsessed with loving ourselves. And if we're not careful, instead of being moved by compassion to love other people the way Jesus has commanded us, what we, what we resort to is, is being obsessed with ourselves and loving ourselves, loving our comforts, loving our, our time, loving our space, loving our stuff. And what Jesus is calling us to is, is a love that is so much wider than that. What we know from the New Testament is love is a fruit of the Spirit. That if, if, if God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit resides in you, the byproduct is, is natural for, for us to love out of response of that. I know this, I've been in church for a long time. Uh, I grew up in a pastor's home. Um, my dad was a music minister and I, I told somebody this week, like the, the, the things that I didn't want to, uh, the things that I saw 
in churches and in ministry was almost the reason like I was pushing against wanting to be in ministry myself. But it's like God was using those things to say, Dave, that's you. You need to be there. Um, because we are, all, we are all broken. We are all messy. And life is messy. But what I do know is this, that you never get to a point in your life when you've graduated from loving others. Okay? And, and even in the church, like, if you've been a believer for five years, 10 years, 20, 50 years, love should be a characteristic or a byproduct of the spirit living in us. Love should be a marker of your life. And if it's not, God's word has some harsh things to say about us. First um, John 4, 8 says, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. So this morning, as we, as we think about this idea of community, that we've been called to action, that we are a family, that we function as family, we recognize that we are deeply loved and we are called to deeply love others as well. The problem, though, is sometimes in the church we keep people at, at arm's distance. We've been hurt before. We've been wounded before. And we, we like to stay in our own lane and just do life alone. Proverbs 18.1 says it like this, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. And I would remind us this morning that, that living life alone or living life by yourself is anti-gospel. The heart of God designed community and he embodies that himself. We need for people to see us, for people to know us, to love us, despite our mess and our brokenness and to speak the truths of God into us. So this morning, to, to love others it, it, deeply it looks like this, that we're not merely bringing people in to tolerate us, um, but we actually allow people into our life. We invite people into our life. And that's hard for a lot of us because we, we like our space. But to live as family, our relationships go beyond Sunday. And you saw Ryan's illustration last Sunday with the boxes up here. And in the rhythms of, 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 of the Sunday gathering and as, as the church has kind of grown apart, we've, we've made it... Uh, We've made it easy for us to, to, to live this superficial Sunday, hey, how's it going? Good, how are you? Good, that we don't actually live intentionally and connect throughout the week. Community takes time. It takes commitment. Um, we're, we're required to speak the truths of the gospel into each other's lives. And I've heard it said like this, that we need to build bridges relationally strong enough to bear the weight of truth. Loving someone is not just telling them what they want to hear, but it's, it's what they need to hear. You see, community in my own life um, didn't really happen until about four years ago. Um, I, was, I was in a church setting. I was a youth pastor, and, and uh, we had just hired this guy named Zach. And, um, you know, it was, it was God's way of, of putting somebody who rubbed shoulders with me um, that walked through life together with me that had the ability to poke in and say, you're not living that out. That's not you. Why does that characteristic not come out of your life? And for the first time in my life, I started to understand like this whole accountability thing. Like we as pastors are not exempt from that. Like we actually should model that to everybody. But community is this so much bigger picture of, of, of life on life. And as we, as we learn to set out and, and gather our families together, 
what it looked like was this crazy, chaotic, messy time. And if any of you have been a part of of, of a discipleship group or a missional community or a small group where you gather outside of a Sunday morning, uh, it's kind of messy. But it's that mess in the community that reminds us of why we meet. Because we are broken, Jesus is the only one that can hold that community together. You see, community in my own life has, has changed my outlook. Um, my wife and I, we host our own missional community on Wednesday nights in, in our own neighborhoods, and we've got some people from here, and um, you know, we gather, and I'll tell you what, Wednesdays are the hardest night for me to feel like, oh, I wanna go home, because there's everything within me that says, I just wanna call or text everyone and just say, like, it's off, I've had a rough day, like, we, we, we default back to wanting our space. But I can tell you this, like when we push through those moments and we gather together and pray for each other and, and reconnect outside of Sunday but find another meeting point throughout the week and another rhythm, it, it's, it's a sweet place of being able to have other people speak Jesus into your life. Because the worst place we can be is, is to live life isolated. So our love for others needs to be deep. It also needs to be wide. Matthew 5, 46 says this, and Jesus is saying this in, in the Sermon on the Mount. If you love those who love you back, what reward do you have? It's easy for us to love people who love us, but it's hard for us to love people who are not like us or who don't love us back. What Jesus is calling us to is this wide love, this love that goes beyond boundaries. So this week, I had an opportunity to pick up my daughter uh, from school. My wife had our six-year-old at the dentist, and uh, she had asked me, she's like, hey, can you, can you run over and pick up Leanne from school? So I ran over to Wurstler, picked her up, and um, it was just me and Leanne in the car. And, and dads and families, moms, like, cherish those moments. I didn't know that that was going to be a God moment. But uh, on my way to, to drive into the gas station and then back home, um, Leanne started to open up. I said, how was your day? And she goes, Dad, I just really had a rough day with some friends. There are some friends in my class that were some kids in my, some girls in my class. Now, fourth grade relationships are tough. And a dad of four daughters, my life is just going to continue to get more challenging. So it's like God's way of preparing me in that moment, but then also looking ahead of saying, get ready. So uh, Leanne said, yeah, dad, I had, I had a rough day with some girls. There's some girls that are really being mean to this one girl in my class. And it just, they don't, they don't get it, dad. They don't understand. Now I'm going to, I'm trying not to cry in this, but it's like, they don't understand the brokenness of her family, dad. They don't understand that her dad, who was not really her dad, but her grandfather passed away two years ago. And who she's living with is not actually her mom, it's her grandma. I'm like, Le- Leanne, that's, that's awesome that you know that and, and the fact that you don't let what you know about that person change the way you love them. And she's like, Dad, like, I want these girls to understand that. Like, they don't get it. And uh, so we had like that moment for just a second or two. And so then she changes the subject, which is she's a lot like me. We, we, can't, we can't talk about one thing for a long time. We, we tend to change the subject. And she goes, so Dad, I've been reading this book and uh, I'm almost done with it. And it's a fourth grade girl book, uh, Dork Diaries or something like that. And uh, she's like, I'm almost all the way done with it. And um, I was like, so Leanne, what interested, 
what interests you about that book? I was like, Leanne, if you're a lot like me, you read based upon things that you're interested in. I was like, mommy, she can sit down and just read books after books after books. I was like, I don't have that. Like, I have to be interested in something and then say, you know what? Wow, this is, this is really cool. She goes, yeah, dad, I'm the same way. Like, I think, I think I'm just like you in that. She goes, but what interested me about this book? She goes, whenever I pick out a book, I figure out which one, whatever one has the best cover. And then, then I, I, I'm no lie to you. I'm not lying to you. She goes, dad, I pick it based upon the coolest cover. I'm like, Leanne, that's a terrible way to pick a book. That's a terrible way to pick a book because you don't know what's in the inside. And she goes, I was like, Leanne, there's actually a saying about that. It says, don't judge a book by its cover. She goes, what does that mean? And I was like, well, you know what? It's also biblical too. Like in 1 Samuel, you know, it, it says that man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks upon the heart. I was like, and what I want you to see here, Leanne, and it wasn't in this like preaching mode, but I was like, Leanne, you can't do that. You can't pick books based upon what they look like on the outside because how do you know what's going to be on the inside? I said, Leanne, let me remind you of, of what we were just talking about, about your friend. That's exactly what your friends who are being mean to this girl are doing. And I said, you have decided to, to look inside and see that there's something different rather than to look on the outside. I said, do that with books too. I said, you know, uh, mom's been known to flip through the end and see what it's about, you know, and then she gets a book like that. Um, I was like, yeah, that's, well, that's probably typically what dad does, but I was like, I want you to understand, like our love for people, you know, should not be hindered by our ability to judge or, or, or not judge what, what the content of people's hearts or what's going on. I think in the church, we, we live in these circles of exclusivity. And if we're not careful, community can even do that too. Like maybe some of you guys are in here, and some of us in here have said, you know what, I just don't know if I feel welcome in that ABF. I don't know if I feel welcome at that men's table group, uh, that men's frat table group. I don't know if I feel welcome in that missional community because I just feel like when everyone gets comfortable, they tend to, to start doing this and boxing out, and it's like, ah, we got our thing. What Jesus calls us to is a love for other people that is so much deeper and so much wider than that. To be a family, we must be loving at all times and in that love be a driving characteristic in all of our relationships. Number two, I want us to see this morning, to remember the source. The words in John chapter 13, 34 says, as I have loved you. So Jesus says this new commandment, but it's not really a new commandment because in Leviticus 19, 18, it says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And this is probably the oldest commandment of all times that we know that we are supposed to love other people. But this new commandment where Jesus kind of changes the game for them, it says, love others as I have loved you. Jesus models the way for us in this type of love. To understand Jesus' love for us, we have to look back at the beginning to get a fuller, more beautiful picture of who God is. Like we said in the beginning, God is a God of community. And the heart of community comes out of who God is. Uh, we believe, and I believe, that there is one God who is eternally existent in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And they, at the beginning of creation, have worked together to set the world in motion. To create all things and say that it is good. We creates man in his own image, Genesis 127. 
it says, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. So the Godhead, this picture of community, has created man in community to model community to the world. So community is not just this subplot of creation, but it's the very essence of who God is. The first thing that we see is, is it's not, I mean, God says of all creation that it's good, it's good, it's good. The first thing we see that is not good, it's not good for man to be alone. So God created Adam and Eve to live life together, to be in perfect fellowship and perfect communion with God the Father so that their vertical relationship was, was, was right, that their horizontal relationship with each other was perfect. And, and Jesus and, and God and the Holy Spirit walked with them in the garden and everything was perfect. But what we learn in Genesis 3 that because of Adam's and Adam and Eve's sin, the bond of, of community was broken between us and God the Father, and beca- between man and, 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 and man. Because of sin, there's a real brokenness in our life that we that we experience. Because of Adam's sin, Romans would say it like this: because one man's sin entered into the world, and death. Uh, and, and death passed upon all sin so that all have sinned. We are inheritors of this brokenness and this original sin. However, we still have this longing to be complete. We still have this longing for community. We still have this longing for friendship. But on this side of eternity, we're gonna continue to struggle. We're gonna, we're gonna continue to be selfish. We're gonna continue to, to reject people in our lives because of brokenness and because of sin. But Jesus steps in to restore this broken community. We see in John chapter one, verse 14, it says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So Jesus came to be with us. Jesus came to live among us, to experience all the things we experienced, but to live life perfectly, to die a death on the cross that we deserved, to pay the punishment for our sin. Even in this chapter, we see the context of John chapter 13 where Jesus is modeling serving to his disciples. He says, love as I have loved. He's washing the disciples' feet and says, love as I have loved you. Jesus not only served and and came to be with us and came to be among us, but he shared in our pain. John 15, 13 says, greater love has no one than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. You see, Jesus modeled this sacrificial love. He is the true source of love. Jesus restores our broken relationships. He restores the the broken relationship between us and God, and he restores the broken relationships between us and each other. Community can only happen when Jesus is at the center We can't love others apart from Jesus. And and we truly can't do community apart from Jesus either. So God left his circle to be a part of our circle for the purpose of including us in his circle. That we've now been adopted as sons and daughters to to a better kingdom. So we've seen we've been called to action. We also see that We've seen the source of love. And third, this morning, I want us to see that what this text is saying is, is prove to be a disciple. 
The end of, of verse 35 in chapter 13 says, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. And in this passage, love one another is kind of the bookends between verse 12 and verse 17. We've been called to action. And what we know about the beginning of John chapter 15 is, is we heard about it three or four weeks ago that if you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. That what Jesus is calling us to is to abide in his love. He says in verse 16, he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and invited you into my family to go and bear fruit. What we know about the gospel is that we've been invited to this, into this family. And if you spend any time at the North Canton Chapel, you've heard a lot about family, that we live as family. And a lot of us, we, we've got this bad representation in our own lives of what family really looks like. So when we say that, you're like, ah, I don't know if I want family. <laughs> but the family that we are striving to live for and be and live as is the family that Jesus creates and he's at the center and God the Father is the one who ordains it. Because of the gospel, we've been saved from the penalty of our sin. We no longer have guilt or shame or fear but we've been saved for the purpose of being God's family and God's children. We also know that he is saving us. So we have been saved. He is saving us from the power of sin in our daily lives for the purpose of bringing him glory. And we also know that he will one day save us completely from the presence of sin. So community is something that we're gonna struggle with. But what we laid out there about we've been, we have been saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. And in the church, those are some, just some big theological words. We like to say justification, sanctification, glorification. Really what that means is, is we have this hope in Jesus. Because what is ahead of us is far better than what is, is, is currently being experienced by us or what is behind us. Living our lives as proof of disciples means that we allow our love to be an active love. We love deep, we love wide. And what does Jesus say here? He says, by this all people will know that you are my disciples. Not because you can stand up and articulate the good news of Jesus. Not because you can stand up and, and give a great apologetic for your faith. But the world will know that you're my disciples by your love. Like I said in the beginning, the problem with community is us. We're selfish. We don't know how to love. We don't feel loved ourselves. When we take our eyes off Jesus, those things are present and those things are true about us. But God, being rich in mercy, extended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He stepped in and modeled this great love that we have, that we have access to, that we can call out to God the Father and say, I'm in, you love me, I get it, and now I need you to help me walk through this life. So this morning, kind of a gospel response, as we step back and recognize what Jesus has done, when we recognize that we have been deeply loved, our response to that is that we deeply love others. When we recognize that, that we have been called to community to not do life alone, 
that we step in obedience to Jesus and say, I'll do it. And some of us, it might even be that step of saying, I'll try, because I know it's gonna be hard. I know as soon as somebody sees my warts or my scars, that they're gonna reject me and, and they're gonna want nothing to do with me. But it's only through the power of Jesus that community can grow and flourish. We say this, and it's out there on the wall, that nothing builds disciples like community. Nothing builds community like a common love for Jesus. And this morning, our response to that is are we responding faithfully by loving others? By understanding and recognizing this deep love that Jesus has modeled for us? And is our life a proof to others that we are a disciple of Jesus? Would you pray with me this morning? Father, I'm so thankful for the privilege that we have to proclaim the truths of your word. Father, I know it's possible that there are some in here today that have looked at these passages and and, have seen them many times. And they're just overwhelmed because sometimes for us, Father, it's the simple truths that cause us the biggest steps of faith and steps of obedience. Father, help us to know that we can't do this apart from you. God, whatever you're asking us to do this morning, to lay lay down our, our pride, our selfishness, our past, our sin, our failures, that we'll recognize that your love for us, that there's been no greater love than the love you displayed for us. Father, as we respond in faith to what you're asking us to do, would you, would you allow us to just use this time to do business with you? Father, I thank you. God, call us to to live lives that are obedient and living in community, God, and help us to know how to do that. Father, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.